0: morning again and it's great to have you here as we continue on with our series hope is here and as we walk our way through this we're realizing that hope is actually here it's not something we need to long for Uh, christmas screams in anticipation and that stems roots all the way back to waiting for the messiah but he is here and we don't have to wait any longer and all that he gives us can be ours for life Uh, John, when he was writing the book of John and under God's inspiration, uh, as he ends that book, he kind of gives us an idea of where he's going. If you go back to chapter 1, he says, these things are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And the act of believing, having real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. And when you and I say yes to Jesus, we can actually experience real life that ushers us into eternal life. And Jesus himself personally reveals it being fully God, fully man. We talked a little bit about that last week as we try to understand that. Uh, a word that we continually sung already is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. And I love uh, the way Eugene Peterson translates uh, First or John 1.14 the world word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like Jesus, like the Son, generous inside and out from start or truth from start to finish. And so when you and I are thinking about Christmas, we're thinking about Emmanuel, we're thinking about anticipation, we don't have to wait for it. Hope is here even in the days that we're experiencing now in our world. Hope is still here, and it comes in the name and the person of Jesus Christ. And so that is Fantastic. Now, when you and I think about Christmas and we think about anticipation, uh, a lot of us have experienced these moments where we're anticipating something, we're very hopeful about something, and it doesn't come through, and we're left a little discouraged or a lot discouraged, we're left feeling a little bit betrayed, and we're anticipating something, we're hoping for something, and uh, it just doesn't happen. And I hate to say this, this even happened last night at our Deacon's leadership team dinner, and uh, I got some video from that, uh, so this is what goes on. Some people wonder. Uh, this is dinner last night, and uh, as we're starting to get ready to eat, and there they all are, great leadership team. Now, you can now, let's see, there's Bill. Oh, no, that's Bill. No, no, that's Bill. I don't know. Anyway, they're there. And uh, this actually happened last night where I had this anticipation uh, for something and it just did not turn out the way I wanted. I actually uh, could say that I felt betrayed. I felt damaged. I felt heartbroken. And uh, it has to do with, uh, you know, yeah, hope is here. Oh, there, there's, you know, cheating a little bit. And uh, let's see what else we got there. Yeah. To action. Now we had one deacon stealing silverware It was very disturbing. There it goes. But the reason I was destroyed, I was dismayed, I was discouraged. All has to do with butternut squash versus sweet potato, and yes, that is spelled sweat potato because that's how I think they make sweet potatoes. But anyway, so I'll just do a little survey here: How many people like butternut squash? How many people like sweet potatoes? Shame on you! I can't stand sweet potatoes, and it's because I just don't eat them. And last night, uh, it was it was. Very, very, I had anticipation. I saw the butternut squash on the little buffet thing, and I grabbed some s- butternut squash, and I put a quarter of a stick of butter on it because that's the way I like my butternut squash, and uh, as we're eating, all of a sudden I discover one of my friends actually prepared the knife that was going to go into my back. He's there. And, uh, you know, halfway through the meal, uh, somebody, I think it was not innocently, I thought it was innocently, asked, uh, asked uh, his wife, said, uh, I'm not going to say who actually made it, but Paige, you know, Paige, how did you make your uh, butternut squash? And she started laughing, and I thought it was because John actually made it. But the real laughter was because it was not butternut squash. It was sweet potato. And they all knew they all knew. The guys didn't know too much, but by the end of the meal, they all knew, and I ate that sweet potato and didn't say a thing, and, you know, they just, all night long, they just picked on me and laughed at me, and I had hoped to have butternut squash, but in turn, I had sweet potato, and I felt like that uh, Caesar back in the day, you know, E too, Brutus, because they just thought it was a great thing, because even my wife sitting next to me knew all about it and didn't say A word. That's kind of fun, but you know, anticipating and wanting something and having hope for something and then not getting it or actually having it switched on us is kind of like a form of betrayal. And uh, when it comes to uh, larger things in life, obviously it's it's much more serious. And uh, if you go back to the days before Jesus was born, uh, there was this hope. There was this desire for this Messiah to come. And he hadn't come yet, and as we sang, you know, it was like 400 years since the last prophet had spoken about anything, and it was just really quiet. God was quiet, and uh, there was just a disappointment in the air. And when a great anticipation is not realized, we are usually left discouraged, heartbroken, and angry. And all of us can think of some real-life things where we had anticipation for something. Maybe it was a relationship that went awry. Uh, maybe it was our marriage. Uh, maybe it was a job, whatever it might be. And we thought God was going to step in, and God was working behind the scenes. He might have been quiet, but we had some anticipation. And then it just doesn't come together. And uh, we see this in the life of Israel uh, if you remember the story, they uh, were in, ended up in Egypt, grew, uh, Moses delivers them, there's the exodus, uh, God uses that, eventually set up a kingdom, eventually it's, and it's very great for a time period, then the kingdom splits into two, the northern kingdom uh, gets gobbled up much quicker, because they're just off the rails, and then the southern kingdom does the same thing, and there's exile, if you look at Daniel, Daniel, some of the the young men that were in exile, and it's just not good. There's this promise of it coming back. It kind of comes back, but not in the good old way. And they're just waiting for this. And that's why Isaiah is so important uh, Isaiah 9 9, and you can find that in that uh, Bible in the rack, uh, page 479. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, we'd love you to take that Bible as a gift. Also, there's uh, the YouVersion app. It's free. Uh, you can have your Bible on your phone. Just think that's really important. So we read this, and this is a prophecy. For, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the people were holding on to this year after year after year. In verse 7 we read, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over the kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so people were looking for this. Uh, They were hoping for this. You have Rome moving in and taking over, and they're still hoping for this Messiah, this God, Emmanuel, with us who will just change everything, and as we move into Easter later on in the new year, into the spring, we're going to see some of the responses, because they were just hoping for this, and there were people that just were just totally disappointed, disillusioned. Um, They would just... Uh, in a sense, uh, you know, walk away from faith because it just it just wasn't wasn't happening, and they were just just so sad about all of this. So let's let's move forward uh, to the time of a couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and I uh, got to remember that they grew up in let's say God centered homes. Uh, we would say loosely that their dads were pastors, so they were a part of this whole process. And we'll look at Luke chapter one, verse. Uh, well, let's see. We'll start at verse uh, five here. In the time of Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abjar. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So they had this heritage, and they owned it. And it's interesting, some people in this line walked away. And the reason they walked away is I I think it was like in uh, 65 B.C., one of the Roman leaders, generals, came into Jerusalem. And there was an established temple, and he went right into the Holy of Holies and just went in there. And in Jewish history, culture, the high priest only went into the Holy of Holies once a year and, uh, and was very careful because uh, there's even this, this idea that they would tie a rope around him because if he went into the Holy of Holies and wasn't right with God, he would be struck down. So this is the mentality. So this Roman general just comes storming in, disregards all of that, and the amazing thing is he is not struck down. So people in that day said, see, this time with God, us being a special people, him doing something good for us, that is, that's just over. That's over. And lots of people just kind of turned their back. But here you have... Uh, Zachariah probably was a child his dad was probably in the system then so he's probably aware of this yet Zachariah and Elizabeth continue on continue on following God Um, both of them were upright in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. And uh, those of us who have read some of the Older Testament, there were lots of commandments to obey. And they were into it. They were owning it in spite of this thing with this Roman general, despite of things just seemingly not happening, that God is quiet. In a sense, they do not quit. Um, and uh, they, just, they just continued on. Um, I love the way the easy read translation says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were both good people who pleased God. They did everything the Lord commanded, always following his instructions completely. And you think that they would just be living this blessed life. They're sticking it in. They're not quitting. They're not giving up on God, even though lots of people have. Uh, they're, they're, they're owning it. And then we see this uh, but. So these faithful people. And then we read, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. And uh, in this day and age, uh, it was a sign of a curse, especially towards the woman, if she didn't have kids. And so you would think this couple, passionately following God, would have had a family. And uh, they didn't. Yet they stuck it in. Sometimes you and I feel that God is being quiet in our life. God is not showing up in our life. And the question is, is, do we give up on him? Do we quit? Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth are a prime example of a couple that wouldn't quit. They followed through. They continued on. They just didn't go through the motions. Even though they were living in hope and anticipation of this promise. Uh, You know, they're at the place now where, you know, the ship has sailed when it comes to having a family. uh, But they're still hoping the Messiah someday will show up. They're holding on to the ideas we see way back in Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, this is Abram, Abraham, leave your country and your people, leave your father's family and go to the country that I will show you. I will build a great nation from you. I will bless you and make your name famous. People will use your name to bless others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will use you to bless all the people on the earth. For some crazy reason, Zechariah and Elizabeth held on to that. And if I really read through that, it looks like not that their people are being blessed. It looks like their people are being cursed. They can't get out from underneath the Romans. Uh, They're just, you know, picked on in huge ways and uh, they're just stuck. But somehow Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, lived a life that said, we buy into this. We're looking for God to be our promise. And so sometimes you and I find ourselves in the same way. Uh, We we have the promise that God's gonna be a part of our life. Uh, We have a promise that God's gonna bless our life. But then when the blessings aren't what we expected or what we want or what we anticipate, We're just left feeling a little betrayed, and some of us totally walk away. Like some of those priests, when uh, that general came in, they said, wow, the the God of the Romans, Jupiter, must be stronger than our God because, look, the general walked in there and lived. And so there are people that walked away inside and out. And then there were others that walked away inside. They continued to go through the motions, you know. Uh, this is the only life I've known. Um they're kind of like a a cultural Jewish person, or like we might say today, a cultural Christian person. We just kind of keep going through the motions. Uh we don't really think anything's gonna happen, and we're we're we've given up on putting hope in something that doesn't come through for us. But again, we like our friends at church, we like doing church things, so we just keep doing it. And uh it's Going through the motions. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, no. They don't, they don't just go through the motions. They're living it out. And then we have this verse here where once when Zechariah's division, there was 23 divisions. And, uh, and he was in one of those divisions. And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. He wasn't going to the Holy of Holies, but he was getting into close to there. And uh, this was a great honor. This might happen once or twice in your life. So if you were a priest in one of these groups of 23, uh, this, was, this was pretty awesome that you got chosen. And so Zachariah, I'm sure, is excited. Elizabeth's excited. Wow, it's your turn. And we don't see when he had done this before or if he had done this before. But he gets to do this, and uh, he's just pumped about it. And uh, as he goes in here, then we have this story. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. And that really is the greeting anytime you see someone in scripture coming into contact with an angel. It's do not be afraid. Uh, Sometimes we think of it's a wonderful life, and we think of the bumbling but cute and adorable, well-meaning Clarence. And you know, you're not like afraid when you meet Clarence, but you're startled when you meet an angel, a messenger of God, Uh, one of His holy ones. One of uh, Gabriel spends time in the throne room with God Almighty, and so just His presence, like whoa, he is afraid. And then we, uh, you know, but the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayers have been heard. I'm sure in a second there he's going like, which prayers? What prayers? Prayer that I got a good parking spot when I drove up to the temple today. No, not that prayer. What prayer? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. They're old. I don't imagine that, I actually heard something like this this week in staff devotion. Sue was sharing something, she had read that, uh, you know, that prayer probably had been stopped being asked for years, let's just say they're in their 70s, they're old, and uh, I don't think when they're in their 50s, they're saying, oh, we still want to have a baby, they're not saying that, but so these were prayers from earlier on, and he says, your prayers have been answered You will have a son. And even though Zachariah and Elizabeth are, you know, faithful, this seems like so far outside the box for them. And it is. It is. It's it's way outside the box for them. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or fermented drink. And even he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And if you go a little farther ahead, when Mary, when she's expecting, goes to meet her cousin Elizabeth. And they're together, but they're still both expecting uh, John in the womb. He he knows something's going on, and the Holy Spirit is already there. Now, it's interesting. You know, you see this, uh, you know, he'll be a Nazarite, a Nazarite, uh, this idea of not taking any wine or fermented drink. And uh, something just to think about. I don't think this is a mandate for us, but it is a mandate for us not to be controlled by anything else but God. So I don't know what's in your life that controls you, the things in my life that can control me. I want to be controlled by the Spirit, so when there are things, whether it would be alcohol, anything, food, possessions, I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is leading my life, not those possessions. I want to be owned by the Holy Spirit, not owned by other things. And all of us probably have to keep an inventory of our life. And you hear me say this often. You probably say it again as we move through Christmas. Uh, We need to make sure the gifts that God gives us don't become the object of our affection, but Jesus, God himself is the object of our affection. It's not wrong to have nice things, and They come from the hand of God, you work hard, you do whatever, but there's this tension, there's this tipping point where all of a sudden something you have, uh, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's what they're doing, it's just something else you've been blessed with and all of a sudden that thing starts to become the object of your affection More than God. So this is what's going on in John the baptizer's uh, life, the proclamation, he'll be a joy. And when you and I let the Holy Spirit lead us, when we keep him the one who guides us in our focus, we become a joy to other people. So if you want to be a joy to other people, if you want to touch other people's lives, if you want to make a difference the more you and I are led and governed by the Spirit of God living within us because we've said yes to Christ, we will find that we will be a joy and pleasure to other people and we'll also please God himself. We read on, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their, the parents to their children and the disobedient to the to wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Every time I read this, I ask myself, how am I preparing other people for the Lord? What's my peace in the process? Maybe a little piece, but it's a piece. God has asked all of us as Christ followers to live in such a way that we make the road smooth and prepare it for someone else to come to Christ. Another group of us are reading a book, and we talked about the idea that we ought to make our faith contagious. It doesn't rise and fall on us, per se, but The way we interact, the way we follow Christ either draws people to him or they say, "Oop, hypocrite, or they say, I don't want any of that. So we can prepare the way for others if we're being observant again, if we're letting the spirit live our lives. And you go, how do I let the spirit live our lives? For me, it's a daily thing. It's a daily reminder. I need to get into his word. I need to let him speak to my heart. Then I need to own that. I need to make sure that I don't forget it throughout the day. Because I don't know about you, but I can have devotions, quiet time, whatever you want to call it. Hear from God, and it can just fade from my memory within minutes. I want that theme, that idea to shape my day. So I have to be very intentional to make that happen, to be ready, to prepare the way so that others can experience uh, Christ and experience that full life that John wrote his book about. Read on, Zach, Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. It's nice that uh, uh, Zachariah had been married life long enough not to call his wife an old woman. He says, I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. But, uh, you know, he's, he's questioning and in one hand, there's not a wrongness in questioning. Questions are good. We want to be a church where you can ask your questions. Well, we want to hear about that. But uh, there must be a tone in his asking because we read on, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. In other words, what are you doing, man? I'm Gabriel. I'm I'm in heaven, I'm at the throne, I'm in the presence of God, and are you questioning? I mean, here I am, an angel. Three seconds ago, you were like, ooh, an angel, an angel, you know, and now you're questioning. We read on, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which were come true at their appointed time. Again, it's interesting, if we go back to the story of Mary, when Mary's told she's going to have Jesus, she questions, how can this be? Zachariah questions. There must be a different tone in the questioning. We have to ask ourselves, again, as we're asking, we're not asking to be unkind. We're not asking to be difficult. We, we have a question. Mary had a genuine question. It wasn't a sign of her heart not ready to receive from God. Somehow, Zechariah's heart was, it was in that mindset. So, when we think about all of this, when we think about God being quiet for a lot of years, especially Zachariah and Elizabeth, quiet in their personal life, quiet in their nation's life, uh, you know, some things we need to think about. Even though God has been quiet, he hasn't been inactive, he hasn't lost interest. No, God intervened at the appointed time. So, take a deep breath. I have to take a deep breath. It's not that God's been quiet. It's not that He's not doing anything. It's not that He's lost interest in your life, in my life. No, God intervenes at the appointed time, and we might even add in the appointed way. He shows up, He's quiet. Our response is when He's quiet, do we quit? Do we give up on Him? Do we just go through the motions? Or are we engaged? reading on, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this His wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Again, in people's mind, they would always say, I wonder why Elizabeth hasn't a baby. I wonder what's up with that. And I wonder why God won't bless her. Sometimes when you see something going on in somebody else's life that doesn't seem to be like great, Don't throw them under the bus. Don't have your first response be, oh, they must not be doing something right. They must not be following God the way, because he, you know, and all this stuff. Don't fill in the blanks that way. Maybe God's doing something unique in their lives. And, uh, you know, it's hard waiting. Uh, Cindy and I waited on purpose for about five years to have kids. Those were great years. And then when we decided we really were interested in having kids, things just didn't happen. And it was hard. And then first time she got ex- was expecting, uh, the baby, we lost the baby. And uh, so then it was even more complicated. And then, you know, then God blessed us with twins. And then we were a little nervous and said, man, this might not happen again. And bang, eight mo- 18 months later, Mariah was arrived. So then we had three kids all under the age of 18 months, and they were all girls. So anyway, that's another story. But... Uh, and you hear about that story every once in a while. But again, the idea is that Elizabeth, has her disgrace has been uh, dissolved. Uh, it's been taken away. So what do we do? What do we do when God is quiet? And I've kind of hinted through this. We're going to kind of jump through these. Um, first of all, uh, do we stay or do we go? Do we stay or do we go? And again, this isn't to look down on somebody else, but we've all had people in our life that uh, feel that God's been quiet, and so they say, you know, I'm I'm giving up on this God. I'm giving him one more cho- chance to come through, and uh, I'm not I'm not sticking with it. I'm 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 done. I'm done. Uh, you know, I love God, but I, I just I just I just I'm just done. I'm gonna live on the edge of faith. Uh, so we have to ask the question do we stay or do we go? And again, Zachariah had firsthand information about the time that Roman general went into the Holy Holies and nothing happened. And uh, he was in the sense God was quiet. He just struck down this guy and he doesn't. Should we go or stay? And he stays. Now, the question is do we believe or do we stop believing? Um, do we stop trusting? A lot of us know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean trust in the Lord with all your heart. And there's a point sometimes where God uh, doesn't come through. He's quiet, and we believe in him for heaven, but we don't believe in him for everyday life. We trust him with the eternity of our soul, but we don't trust him with getting a job or... Our finances or our relationships. Do we believe or do we stop believing? And we can go through the motions for a long time. And externally, everything looks the same, but internally, something in a sense has died in us and we have given up. Do we serve or do we just go do something else? Sometimes some of us have been disillusioned with what God has done or what God has allowed us to allow to happen. He's been quiet. maybe we experienced some injustice while serving, and our response is, we're just going to go do something else. We're just done with that. How do we respond? Again, I love that Zechariah and Elizabeth were real. Zachariah is real. But they didn't go. They continue to serve. So how do we wait for God? How do we go through this process? As we watch them go through the process, we see a nation that went through this process of waiting. Uh, first of all, uh, worrying about our situation, or leaning on God, a flip way of saying that. Do we, do, we just, uh, do we just worry, 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 worry? This doesn't mean not being aware. Do we let the situation kind of captivate us, own us? Or do we lean on God? And uh, we were, as we were talking about this uh, this week, just uh, especially in staff devotions and you know, praying and maybe that prayer, uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah prayed for having a baby was you know, 30 years in, in the rearview view mirror. Um, I said, you know, there are some times though that it's not that I've given up on God. It's I just place it in his hand and I don't have to keep praying about him. I just go, Lord, take care of this in your timing. And, and I can actually let it go. And then there's other times where I I can't let it go. It's on my heart. And in those situations, really, it's more about me. It's more about my heart. So my prayers are more reassuring me than actually banging on God's door. Because when God wants to do something, he's going to do it. So how do we wait for God? Do we lean on God? Some of that leaning is praying all the time. Some of the leaning is saying, I'm just putting this in your hands, God. And and, I, and I'm, I'm good with, with the outcome and when it happens. Uh, do we whine about God's lateness or remember his good timing? I love the fact that you, after you've followed Christ for even just a little while, can have stories of God's good timing in your life. And they can give you hope. They can curtail the whining in my life, in your life. I remember we had a rental par- apartment still back in Concord, and I was getting to go out on a bike ride. And a uh, tenant had just text messaged me and said they would be out in a month, and all this kind of stuff. And then I started really sweating it because we needed that rental uh, to pay the mortgage and, and all of that kind of thing. And uh, then it just dawned on me: wait a minute, remember when you got that him before and how it all came together? And da 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 da. I'm going. I can just let that go. About halfway in my bike, I said, I, I, Lord, I'm placing this in your hands. I trust you. I don't need to be asking you about it all the time. You know what's going on. And my whining went to remembering his good timing. Um, work out our own answers to the problem or grow through and in spite of waiting. Are you growing when you're waiting? Sometimes we share, and and some of this is uh, from Andy Stanley, a message he did a number of years ago, but Andy Stanley does another message, and you've heard me say this before, talks about, um, you know, especially when you're, you know, just desperate, you want to meet the right person, and uh, the question is, are you becoming the person that the person you would want would want Sometimes people put their life on cold. Well, no, grow into the person that God wants you to be and the person that you would want. Because if you just kind of coast and wait, when you bump into that person, that person's not going to be interested in you because you haven't been growing in your faith. Um, Sarah, Sarai. Abram, Abram, they, they, Sarah tried to work out the, her situation in her own uh, place when Isaac hadn't been born yet. And he had Ishmael, and that created a whole problem. Even today, that taking it in your hands, that created a problem. That is Israel and the Arabs. That whole problem, that tension in those two different worlds took place because somebody took God's promise and put it in their own hands, manipulated it and tried to work it out on their own rather than waiting, rather than growing. You see, God keeps his promise, says even when it seems like his promises are absolutely impossible to keep. And I love when those things happen. I love when I'm like, I think uh this just is too you know, I I, I wouldn't say it's out loud, this is too big for God or God's not gonna get this involved in my life. I just have to kind of live with whatever. And then all of a sudden he goes, Hey Dave, I can even pull that together. Even recently Cindy and I, you know, on the search for a, a house that would have an in law apartment and all that kind of thing. And uh, we've been on that on that path for a year and a half, maybe even two years, and just about the time we had set things up, and it wasn't going to be the ideal to add on to our current house. We saw this other house, and it was the right house, and bang, 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 and now we live there. It's just unbelievable. God's timing. And uh, there are other situations that are sometimes even more, per, much more personal than that, that He will keep those promises. He is on the move. Um, this idea, the story of Christmas is a reminder. That your hope in God is not misplaced. So, where in your life is God being quiet, it seems to you, uninvolved? And what are you going to do about that? Are you going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit? Because it feels like God's quit on me, not that he's being quiet. The reality is when God is quiet, don't quit. Elizabeth and Zechariah found that to be true. The people of Israel found that to be true. And here we are these thousands of years later from Isaiah. And we find to be true because if Jesus hadn't come, we would not be sitting here. We would not be doing this on a Sunday morning around the world. It's amazing. Jesus coming has changed the globe and continues to claim it change it so again please please if you think god's being quiet in your life and he is being quiet in your life maybe he's doing some of the behind the scenes maybe he's waiting but don't give up on him don't quit would you pray with me heavenly father we just uh, thank you for this story Uh, we thank you for the way it can touch our hearts we thank you for the fact it can remind us of the hope that is here jesus is here He's come. We can have his spirit in his life. We can say yes to you and have God join our lives. You join our lives, and we're so thankful for that. But, Father, sometimes it seems like you're being quiet. Somebody who has not said yes to you says, wow, you've been quiet. Even those of us who have said yes to you, there can be seasons of life where it seems like you're not doing anything. And uh, when our expectations, anticipation, are not met or we feel betrayed by you it makes us want to to quit I ask that you'd help us to have a resolve help us to have a hope that transcends your quietness and transcends our acting on the idea the question of quitting we thank you that Elizabeth and Zachariah didn't do that we thank you that you don't quit on us either. You don't give up on us. So Lord, as we move into this season and life seems to be more crazy than ever, we hear more things. Lord, help us to be able to have a resolve not to walk away from you, but to lean into you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.